Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial location, and health freedom. And in that light, I'm always interviewing entrepreneurs, investors, people on the cutting edge and sharing those insights with you. And so today we have Jaden Sterling and he's actually dubs himself as the spiritual money guy, opening investing up to the masses. And so today he's going to be talking about finance, financial freedom, markets, investing. And so it's going to be a great conversation. So Jaden, welcome. Thanks, Christopher. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, tell us, uh, I'm always interested and curious how people got started. So um, tell us why you call yourself the spiritual money guide, and then we'll go into your background and go from there. Sure. Happy to. So when I was 14, I had an epiphany. Have you ever had an epiphany where like time stands still and you just know something in in your bones, right? So at that point, I knew three things very clearly. I knew I'd be speaking on stages around the world. I'd be talking about money, most importantly, how people can be financially empowered by it, not enslaved by it. And thirdly, I knew that I would be teaching from personal experience, not from a book I read or a course that I took. So can you imagine at 14 getting your whole life's roadmap laid out ahead of, you know, it's just phenomenal. And it's, it crafted my entire uh, working career in my life. I, it's why I went to school at American University and studied finance, worked on Wall Street for 11 years um, with two of the major, biggest, largest brokerage firms at the time, Merrill Lynch and Citigroup. And I learned a lot, but most importantly, Christopher, I learned about money from my clients, not from the brokerage firms. So that has been one of my biggest lessons, my multi-millionaire clients that would come in and, and looked at the structure of their portfolios and everything they had. And I'm sure we'll dive into that in a little bit, but yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, you know, with, you know, especially, uh, you know, Fed uh, raised interest rates by 50 basis points, um, you know, less than the 75, but um, we'll just talk about, you know, current uh how current volatile markets are exactly the time when individual investors need guidance the most. Yeah, they do. It's, you know, in a bull market, when everything goes up, you don't really need the guidance. All you need to be is in the market. And in this type of market that we have, it's straddling a bull bear market. It's incredibly volatile and guidance is super helpful during this time. Um, it's why we created software to help investors and make me a better investor because I don't know about you, I would always get caught up in story stocks. I would, you know, listen to the story around the sector or the company, and it wasn't always good for me financially. So I had to come up with a way that looked at the financials and the fundamentals and the technical indicators for companies 
And that's why I created Sterling Stock Picker to help novice investors become expert investors. Interesting. I know, um, especially, you know, end of the year, everybody's trying to make their quotas and getting ready for next year. It's almost like turning the ship. Um, what are, what is, what should we look out for um, at the end of this quarter, as well as, you know, what's coming in 2023 in terms of the equities markets, uh, overall market trends, real estate, for example, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Sure. Ha- happy to share. So what I'm hearing now more and more from analysts is lowering earnings guidance. And <clears throat> I thought about that for a bit and I thought, oh, no, that means we're going to have a tough next quarter. But actually, when analysts lower their expectations for earnings for companies, it actually helps the markets because companies then can potentially give a surprise rather than you know something that wasn't so great. So, so I think we're going to go into the market. December is kind of quiet always historically in the equity markets. I've been at this for 34 years now. And it's just a quiet time. People are home with families. The focus really isn't on maybe there's some tax, um, you know, swaps at the end of the year or things of that nature, but tax selling for for a loss to lock in that or gain. Um, But I think we're going to see a a big up for fourth uh, first quarter of next year based on this fourth quarter earnings. So I think we're going to see good surprises from companies. Um, we're also seeing a, sep- a very clear separation from how well the economy is doing versus stock prices. We know the economy isn't doing what they're saying it's doing. Inflation is much higher. Unemployment is higher. The numbers that they give us aren't accurate. And as an investor, we have to become aware of that and then navigate the investment environment based on our a personal experience of the market. So I'm saying to people, invest in your own backyard. You don't need to have international investments in other markets. There's enough in North America here, enough companies to make money with that you're already familiar with. So my wife and I were just in Vancouver celebrating our wedding anniversary and the line out the door, Christopher, of Lululemon was out of this world. I've never seen it like that. So there's this huge, robust appetite for, you know, you just have to, what I say, be a first class noticer, start really looking around you and noticing. Let's talk about real estate because I built a $12.5 million real estate portfolio uh, in the early 2000s. And there was a capitulation in that market in 08 when there was a, you know, crash in the bond market. And I think we're getting set up for something very similar to that. It's going to look different. They all do. But in essence, you know, we've had a huge run up in real estate prices that made zero sense, right? There's no reason why the real estate market should go up 25 or 30% a year if it's truly based on supply and demand. So there was other mitigating factors there that forced the prices up. Why? Well, because the higher the value of your home, the more property taxes are going to be collected. That is going to be, uh, it's going to be in line with inflation. Everyone's used to prices going up in every sector now, whether it's you're buying gas or groceries or paying your real estate taxes. So we're not going to continue to see obviously 25 and 30% increases per annum in the real estate markets. It's simply not going to happen. Actually, we're seeing a pullback in those markets in in Canada as well as the US. 
And I think that's going to be a trend that's going to continue. So we have high mortgage rates now. They're they they like you said, the Fed raised rates yesterday, 50 basis points again. Um, I think they're going to continue to raise them in 2023. It puts the hurting on people. It's going to actually put people out of their homes because people who have adjustable rate mortgages aren't going to be able to afford them, quite frankly. So, you know, I don't want to paint a doom and gloom picture here, but I'm looking at this scenario and I'm looking at what's really happening versus what we're being told. And I'm concerned, frankly, I'm concerned for people. Um, it's it's why now makes it even more relevant to invest in equities because you have to grow your assets enough to at least outpace inflation. And historically, stocks have done that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know because the reason why I was interested in real estate is because real estate is a lagging. It's like it does. It's not like equities where it can plummets or you know rises very quickly. But um, the other question I had with this rising uh, interest rate environment, um, do you think that these uh, rates are going to stay you know constant around the four or five mark, uh, go higher or for a long time, or are they going to go down, you know, close to zero again. Um, and how does that correlate with value versus growth investing? Yeah, it's a great question. I think we're going to see rates at this level and or higher. I don't think they're going to come back down anytime soon. Um, I think that is going to be difficult to navigate as an investor, especially if you're not paying cash for homes, which at these levels, there's a very small percentage of the population that can. So how does it affect growth? Right now, it's interesting. A lot of growth stocks have become value stocks. <laughs> you know, like that's another thing that I'm seeing in this market is because of the volatility, you know, the first six months of the year, the market was down 35%. And that's a huge decline. So now we're seeing a rotation out of the tech stocks. Um, a lot of these companies are, are, they've come down to earth in their valuations. I mean, when a company hits a trillion dollars in valuation, you just go, what the heck, you know? And But what I'm seeing, interestingly enough, Christopher, I've been looking at the food companies mm. and there's a company called Empire Foods that is posting quarterly earnings equal to their market capitalism. Yeah. And in the history of my investment career, Christopher, I've never seen that ever. So the market for this particular company I mentioned, Empire Foods, the valuation market capitalization is $8 billion. Well, their previous quarterly earnings for the last year have been $7 billion and up each and every quarter. So these companies are printing money. We know we pay, we pay the prices at the grocery store. And I mean, I, as an investor, I think you get to take advantage of that by buying shares of companies that are literally printing money. Hmm. Interesting. You, Cause you mentioned, uh, you know, Lululemon, which I, last time I checked, you know, was doing very well. The other, yes. And, uh, what was interesting is that, you know, Chipotle was the same way. Um, Domino's pizza, all of those. Yes. yes. Oh, here's the, this is quite, it's quite interesting. You have this, um, idea about mutual funds and, uh, I, I think mutual funds are dinosaurs, you know, uh, but you have you have this idea where mutual funds won't make you rich, and what will? Tell us more about that. Uh, so I always, I jokingly say, friends don't let friends buy mutual funds. Yet everyone has them in their portfolio because they're one of the most in, highly incentivized 
investments that brokers and bankers can offer you. So meaning they make more money on the sale of a mutual fund. So um, I agree with you. I think they're dinosaurs in the industry, yet they're still alive and well, you know, in terms of this market. A lot of people have them and can, are continue, continually being sold uh, mutual funds. And from the get-go, mutual funds are set up to fail. They have uh, several hundred stocks in them. They're, there's no way a, a manager can actually effectively manage that many companies. When asked why they have so many stocks, they said, well, the mutual fund managers, that is, said, well, some are going to go up, some are going to go down. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll be on the right side of the trade. So it's not based on their trading acumen. It's based on hope, which is a concern, I think, uh, as an investor. And interestingly enough, Morningstar, the rating agency for mutual funds, interviewed all their managers and asked each one of them, how many of you invest your own money in the fund that you manage? And Christopher, can you believe it? It was only 1.5% that, that said they do. And then Morningstar followed up and said, well, why is that? And you know what their answer was? Because we can get a better return elsewhere. So right there, come on, if you're not, if, if a mutual fund manager can't even put their own money in what they're investing in, why are you putting your money in? And, and a lot of people have it. And I just say, get out of those things. They're set up to fail from the very structure. Now, there are investments that I like, like ETFs, for example, exchange-traded funds. Those have lower management fees, way less stocks. You know, Some have 15 to 25 different companies in them. So I can work with that. It's a much more concentrated portfolio. And I think that those serve a place in an investor's portfolio as opposed to mutual funds. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, once I saw the fees and, uh, you know, especially after 2008, where they're incentivized to, you know, sell you these things. Uh, one thing is uh, you talk about diversifying your portfolio and market timing. Tell us more about these concepts. Yeah. Most people think in order to get the returns in their portfolio, they have to be diversified and they have to time the markets. And I love what Warren Buffett said, diversification is is the tax that that stupid people pay. <laughs> and you know, it's like what he was saying was diversification actually doesn't work. What works is a very focused concentrated portfolio. I mean, you know this as an entrepreneur business owner. Christopher, if I were to say to you, you know, look, I'm going to add 100 new products to your to your repertoire tomorrow and you're going to work on selling those, you would say I don't know what you're talking about. I wouldn't know where to start, right? That would be way too diversified, way too much going on. So we know that through life, focus and discipline are two very important factors for success. Uh, same goes with investing. Uh, you have to be focused in your equity portfolio. We recommend six to eight companies in your equity portfolio. This is the individual stocks. And I came up with that because as I mentioned early on in the interview, we were I was looking at my wealthy investors and they had six to eight companies and that was it. Multi-million dollar portfolios and companies like John Deere uh, back in the day. I mean, this is in the 90s. So John Deere, IBM, Procter & Gamble, these big, big companies that were crushing it, doing so well uh, with their revenue and earnings. And that's what ended up moving their portfolios higher, not packaged products like mutual funds and unit investment trusts and all the other garbly gook out there. Very, uh, and then you know, as we're coming to the conclusion of this interview, um, tell us, uh, 
tell us why you're known as the spiritual money guy. Well, like I mentioned early on, I had that epiphany uh, when I was 14. So I tuned into my intuition very early on. And that's what I teach people to do through our courses and through our software. It's called intuitive investing. So then they dubbed me the financial or the spiritual money guy. And uh, I get information like everyone can through my senses, which I you know, think of as a super a superpower, um, yet everyone has the ability to tune into their inner guidance. I apply mine to money. Most people don't think of that. You know, they think, oh, I can apply my intuition to, you know, who I'm dating or the foods that I eat. And you can, all of that is true. And you can actually apply it to investments as well. So I train people how to do that. And it's been very successful. I've trained thousands of investors over the years in other, you know, other parts of the world, different countries, as well as North America, because everyone's got this skill set. It's a place inside of you that you know the truth. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you feel it in your bones. And so I teach our investors uh, and our students how to tap into that with their investments. And it turns out that it works really, really well. It's how people can get a better return than average returns in the equity markets. Most of our students start start out with a 30% return and it goes up from there. Interesting. Fascinating conversation. How can people um, follow you on social media, visit your website and contact you? Sure. One website. I like focus, as you know, Christopher, sterlingstockpicker.com. That's sterling like sterling silver, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, stock, S-T-O-C-K, and picker, P-I-C-K-E-R.com. Excellent. And for all the listeners out there, um, Jaden's resources will be in the links and show notes. Very interesting conversation, um, just talking about markets and where everything's headed. You can never know. And so, um, and be sure to check out his website as well. And with that, thanks for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Christopher. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week.